Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, correspondent for NPR's Code Switch team, Karen Grigsby-Bates, and producer and reporter for NPR's Embedded, Tom Dreisbach. All right, let's start the show. Hey, y'all, from NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Uh, Every week a different song. But first, with me in studio here at NPR West, Karen Grigsby-Bates, correspondent for NPR's Code Switch team covering race, ethnicity, culture, and this week covering Kanye West. (laughs) We'll talk more about that later. (laughs) And joining us from NPR's Embedded podcast, Tom Dreisbach, a reporter and producer for that show, out recently with an episode all about embattled EPA administrator Scott Pruitt. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. Of course, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Um, all right, this song. This is such a good song. I love this song. This is Hair, a rock musical. It is a song from Hair, but this is a cover of the original song in the musical by The Fifth Dimension. Oh, yeah, that's right. They covered this song, and it became a number one hit a few months after Hair came out. But I'm playing this Hair song because last weekend was the 50th anniversary of Hair hitting Broadway, and it changed uh, a lot on Broadway. It did. It was very controversial. It had rock music in it. It had hippies. It had a nude scene. It was very anti-war. The cast was multiracial. It was the Hamilton of its day. Yeah. Mm. With a little more sex. Exactly. (laughs) And so our favorite here at the show, Bob Mondello, had a piece for NPR all about what this show did. And he said to me, he said, it's all affirmative, upbeat, optimistic about the future in a time that was crazy like ours is today. MLK had just been shot, riots in major cities, a war that everybody hated, and a president who was increasingly loathed. Mm. What's your favorite song from the musical? Um, I don't think I can say it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it. We are each going to describe how this week of news and everything else felt in only three words. Tom, you're going to go first. Okay, I'm a little nervous, but okay. You can do this. I can do this. We believe in you. I believe in myself. (laughs) All right, thanks, guys. You were kind, you were smart, you were important. (laughs) All right, my three words this week are check the tape. Mm. And the reason I say that is a couple stories this week have got me thinking that for all the ways our news is filtered through social media and mm-hmm. then various takes on whatever that news mm-hmm. is and whatever analysis you see, often the story is just there if you go back to the original tape, the yeah. raw tape, yeah. and just listen and watch. And uh-huh. one of the things that made me think that this week was all this news about Stephanie Clifford, a.k.a. Stormy Daniels, uh, yeah. Michael Cohen, President Trump's fixer slash lawyer, and Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani. He had a week. Yes, the yeah. guy the president called a very special person, Rudy. Uh-huh. That's what they say about kids that they really don't want to keep in class because they're so disruptive. <laughs> they can't get anything done. Tom is a very special uh-huh. child. <laughs> <laughs> so Rudy was brought in, what, like a week or two ago to Trump's legal team to help clean stuff up. But this week he's yes. kind of made a mess of things. Yes. What, walk through what happened okay. with Giuliani. To, I think to understand the story, you got to start a little bit earlier. So uh, as people probably know at this point, Stephanie Clifford, a.k.a. Stormy Daniels, was paid $130,000 by President Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, to stay silent about an alleged affair. Yes. Uh 
for a long time, Michael Cohen has maintained that that money came out of his own pocket. Not the campaign. Not the campaign, and that the president knew nothing about it at the time, or even for a while after. Mm-hmm. President Trump was asked about this in early April, and we have the transcript from the official... Look at Check you. the tape. The official White House transcript says, a reporter asked, question, Mr. President, did you know about the $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels? The president, no, no. What else? Wow. But then this week, Rudy goes on what, Fox? He goes on Hannity on Fox News. And Do we have the tape. So they funneled it through the law firm. Funneled through the law firm, and the president repaid it. Oh, I didn't know that he did. Yep. That is that that seems to totally contradict what Trump was saying before. And in fact, Sean Hannity, you hear in that tape, he goes, Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani is like that friend. <laughs> Who spills the beans about your surprise birthday party. And then is like, well, they wanted you to know anyway. Did they? (laughs) Or reveals the gender of your baby before the gender reveal. No, they really wanted a boy, so they're very happy. Uh No. Don't say that. Every friend circle has a Giuliani. I hope Am I not. The Giuliani? I'm going to go find mine and beat it out. <laughs> I can't keep a secret. Can't keep I'm a secret. Yeah. A Were there other stories? So your three words. Oh, what? the other story that I was thinking about. So that was uh, Michael Cohen and Rudy Giuliani and the uh, Stormy Daniels saga. The other story I've been thinking about is a story we did for Embedded yeah. last week and aired on the radio this week, which is about EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt. And so when we were starting that, I was just doing a ton of research into who Scott Pruitt is you kind mm-hmm. of have this image of him as being a really strong uh, advocate for business interests and deregulation and energy and i've just started watching all of these old speeches and listening to all these uh, interviews he's given over the years and i realized oh this guy is actually a little bit different of a politician hmm. than i thought at first How and so? well he he his early career was really dominated by faith-based issues. He's a Southern Baptist, and so he was really dedicated to issues like restricting abortion rights. Mm -hmm. He was involved in supporting a bill that would add a disclaimer to textbooks that says evolution is just a theory. Hmm. That bill wasn't passed. Um, And his Southern Baptist church was a key source of political strength in his career, which was interesting. And it wasn't at all the version of Scott Pruitt that I had seen elsewhere Well, the uh, version we, we see, see today. now is all about these possible right. ethical misdeeds. Yeah, there are several stories now. I think right now at least 10 federal inquiries are going wow. on into his behavior, both from Congress, inspectors general, and yeah. that kind of thing. It has to do with taking first-class flights on taxpayer, using taxpayer money, improper, allegedly, contacts with lobbyists going back decades at this point whether those contacts with lobbyists may have influenced policy at the EPA. And as of today, three top aides at the EPA have resigned and or that, left the agency. Yeah. And that's on top of Just like 700 week. staffers, period, leaving the EPA since Trump took office. Like yeah. That division is in great flux right now. There's a lot going on there. And there are a lot of questions about how long Scott Pruitt yeah. might have in that job. If you want to hear more about Scott Pruitt and where he came from, you can check the tape on uh, Tom Dreisbach's episode of Embedded, all about Scott. What's it called, th- that episode? Uh, Trump Stories, Scott Pruitt. Okay. We keep our titles simple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Tom. Karen, you're next. Do you have three words? I do. My three words are get a room. Ooh. <laughs> Last Saturday, comedian 
Michelle Wolf kind of turned it out at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Yeah, she dropped like five mics. A lot of people didn't appreciate her yeah. humor, yeah. but as she herself told them from the dais in the middle of her act, y'all really should have done your research on me before you <laughs> invited me to come talk to you. You knew I was a snake when you let me in. Um, but I think they do need to get a better room. They need to get a room that doesn't have uh, the president's cabinet on the dais. Mm-hmm. And you know, bring movie stars, bring actors, bring poets laureate, bring other people that you don't cover that aren't responsible for sort of breaking down this membrane between yeah. the Pauls and the reporters yeah. who cover it. Well, then, and also my beef with the correspondence, I'm um, like association this week. It's like, stand by what you did. You know, after Michelle Wolf gives this incendiary in some regards comedic riff at the dinner a day or two later the association basically disavows her and says this was not in the spirit of what we're trying to do like you you brought a comic in here comedy is uncomfortable sometimes stand by what you did i wonder if they would have done that if she hadn't blasted the media itself i mean because she basically said you guys created trump Mm -hmm. You need to own up to this. Mm -hmm. You kind of fed this beast. And you profit from his presidency. And you profit from his presidency. Which ain't a lie. Yeah, and so own it. You know, speaking of get a room, uh, I think there was a person that both you and I, Karen, this week uh, hoped would just go to a room and stop talking. Oh, do we have to? I think we have to talk about it a little bit. Uh, Karen Grigsby Bates had the privilege of doing some Kanye West covers this week. (sighs) He has continued to make outlandish statements. Uh, This week he said some... Out there stuff about slavery. Um, Speaking we, of choices. He said what? He said that slavery was a choice. He said slavery was a choice. Basically, we need to get over it. We're sort of being, we African-Americans are being shackled by the legacy of slavery. And he said, 400 years? 400 years sound like a choice to me. My thing with this Kanye stuff, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago, I was singing his praises when he was doing that mm-hmm. week of inspirational tweets. But now that he is... I thought those were so disingenuous. <laughs> But since he has kind of gone out there, uh, everyone's felt this need to talk about everything he says. And I've even gotten some strongly worded emails because listeners are mad that I haven't said more about what he's been saying. Hmm. And I'm like, if he's trolling us and being nasty, I don't have to feed that troll. Yeah. Like, he's also putting an album out in a few weeks, and he's trying there to get us right. to keep talking about go. him. There was that tweet I think you mentioned on the other uh, one of the shows recently, Sam, where he says something like, I do a hundred reps of controversy to get like five bits of gold or something <laughs> yeah. like that. So I think there's an element of Kanye where he likes to stir it up. Uh-huh. And then sometimes out of that, he'll find a genuine, interesting thought or idea. But I it. think that's totally yeah. accidental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like keep shoveling. Yeah. There's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm calling it here. Uh, I'm not talking about Kanye West for the next... Ten days. Okay. Oh, Done. watch. She's Hold going to, to it. do I'm, something yep. <laughs> that's going to force you to change your mind. You guys, I have three words. <gasps> what are they? They are a slight delay. Hmm. Huh? Yes. So first, uh, I was thinking about a slight delay because these much ballyhooed uh, Trump tariffs on steel and aluminum have been delayed again. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, For some time now, Trump has threatened a 25% tariff on steel and a 10% tariff on aluminum. 
on Monday, Team Trump announced that it would delay these tariffs for the EU, Canada, and Mexico for another 30 days because there are allies. Uh, they were supposed to go into effect Tuesday. Also, these threats of tariffs, it, the tariffs have not gone into effect for other countries as well. Uh, South Korea, just by the threat of the tariffs, entered into some new negotiations with the U.S., so they didn't get the tariffs. Um, Japan has not experienced the tariffs yet. China, even, who Trump calls out all the time, mm-hmm. the tariffs haven't actually gone into effect in China yet. And mm-hmm. so, like, it is, it's one of those things that we covered breathlessly when Trump announced it. You know, the tariffs, the tariffs, right. the tariffs. And it just hasn't happened yet. Now, there were some small tariffs that uh, the Trump administration introduced before the bigger tariffs, but the bigger ones haven't happened yet. So that's my first slight delay story of the week. Mm-hmm. The second a slight delay story this week was um, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook and their announcement this week that Facebook's going to launch a dating app. That's not going to end well. <laughs> I, just, really? I just have this feeling that's not going to end well. This is why I say a slight delay, because the message that has been sent out into the world to Mark Zuckerberg for the last month or two is pump the brakes, pump the brakes. Maybe you guys are doing too much. Maybe our data is not secure. Maybe Facebook should reevaluate and reassess what they do with our data and their platform. And instead of, you know, maybe taking that message to heart and backing mm. up for a little bit, Facebook says... Here's a dating app. So it seems like there's a slight delay in the message intended and the message received, it seems. Interesting. I guess if you want to date a Russian bot, now you have the opportunity. (laughs) So many choices. (laughs) So poking people on Facebook was weird enough for me. Oh, my God. Can you still do that? Oh, you can still poke. I'm going to poke both of you after this show. (laughs) I can hardly wait. Uh (laughs) All right. Time for a break. Coming up, we're going to make a call to Puerto Rico. Uh, which experienced massive protests this week. Also, my favorite game, Who Said That? You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll be right back. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Wix.com, a web platform for creating your own professional website. With Wix, whether it's your first time creating a website or you're a longtime pro, you can do it yourself. Choose from hundreds of stunning templates or start from scratch with drag-and-drop technology and powerful web features. Join over 125 million people already using Wix to create their own websites. Go to wix.com to create yours today. So what will you create? Support also comes from Magoosh, online test prep for the ACT and SAT. Magoosh helps students improve their scores with a platform designed to be effective and enjoyable. Prep smart, go far, and enjoy the ride at magoosh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel Alarcón, host of NPR's Spanish-language podcast, Radio Ambulante. Our latest episode is about detained immigrants awaiting asylum hearings in the U.S. For those who pay their bond, many use the services of a company which promotes itself as pro-immigrant. The truth about that company is much more complicated. Find Radio Ambulante on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders, here with... Tom Dreisbach, reporter and producer for NPR's Embedded Podcast. Hi, Tom. Hi, Sam. And Karen Grigsby-Bates, correspondent for NPR's Code Switch team, who is wearing my favorite scarf today. Karen's scarf has a bunch of little daggers all over it. Whoa. 
She's ready for action. I'm just I'm ready that. for action, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put it on on the days when I think I need extra help. <laughs> so a quick question for you both before we hop Ooh. back into the news. Did you guys see this Chrissy Teigen tweet this week all about how she was surprised to find out that her husband, John Legend, secretly wrote songs for the SpongeBob SquarePants musical? I did see this. Did he actually write songs? So for here's songs? the thing. So Chrissy Teigen, who is a famous model, and her husband, John Legend, who is a famous musician and singer, uh, she tweeted about him. Why does he not tell me when he writes SpongeBob songs? What else is he lying about? Are there other songs out there? So he got a Tony nomination this week for his work on the SpongeBob soundtrack. And his own wife had no idea that he had done this work. You know what? It's so much better to keep your SpongeBob contribution a tawdry <laughs> secret than some other things. She should be on her knees thanking God. <laughs> so I brought this up because I want to ask you, both of you, uh-huh. are there innocuous, fun little things that you have kept from your spouses? Oh, my God, Sam, you are putting me on <laughs> the spot. Keep it PG, kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's... I. Every married woman I know Uh has some little secret stash of money. You know, it might be $10. It might be (laughs) something that you, you know, $5 that you put away from every paycheck or whatever. Uh Because there's been some elderly woman in her family Mm -hmm. who has said, a woman always has to have her own money. Enough to get on that Greyhound bus if you need to. (laughs) (laughs) This is always a good idea. Obviously, Mm -hmm. this came from back in the day when mm-hmm. many women didn't work. Mm-hmm. My husband even jokes about it. It's like, oh, yeah, we can go dip into that stash that, you know, I, <laughs> I know it's just burgeoning, you know, <laughs> breaking the drawer in yeah. your dresser. Yeah. Um, but it, it's acknowledged, acknowledged that this is a thing. Yeah. Tom, what do you uh, hide from your wife? I, you I, hide nothing from your wife. Well, <laughs> He's I newly wish married. I could. He's yeah. newly married. Yeah. Later on, he'll start to hide <laughs> stuff from his wife. See, John Legend's been married see, for about three years. I yeah. cannot because I am the worst at keeping secrets from really? my wife. She, like, as soon as I try to keep something secret, that it's a present or uh, some something going on, and I, she just gets it out of me, like, so quickly. I'm terrible at keeping yeah. a secret from her. Yeah. Also, I, I love men like that. <laughs> <laughs> she reads me like a book, yeah. If I were ever doing something as interesting as writing songs for SpongeBob the yeah. Musical... I tell everybody. Also, there's a SpongeBob musical. It's up for a bunch of Tonys this <laughs> year. Totally out of the loop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now it's time for a segment that we call Long Distance, where we call a listener and talk to them about what's going on in their neck of the woods. This week, we're trying something a little bit different. Uh, podcast listeners, uh, you'll know that usually we call up a real live person out in the world for this segment. And then later in our main story segment of the show, we break down a topic from the news this week with some journalist types. This week, we're going to kind of combine those two segments. We're going to call up a real life person in Puerto Rico, and he happens to be a journalist and a friend of the show. I'm talking about Adrian Florido. He is from NPR's Code Switch team, and he's been on the ground in Puerto Rico for months now, living there and covering the recovery of Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. This week has been really interesting in Puerto Rico. Uh, There were massive protests. Uh, In some cases, it ended a little violently. And Adrian was there for the protest. Uh, He experienced something resembling tear gas himself. So we called him up to talk through all of it. Adrian, hey, how are you? Hey, Sam. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Where are you in Puerto Rico? I am in San Juan. Okay. In beautiful old San Juan. Nice. And how long have you been in Puerto Rico at this point? 
It's been January, February, March. Where are we in May? I've been here four months now. Four months. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you've been covering the recovery in Puerto Rico. And this week in particular was uh, full of action. There were some really heavy and intense protests throughout Puerto Rico. What were folks protesting? So they were protesting a bunch of government-planned austerity measures. Even before Hurricane Maria, right, the island was dealing with its financial crisis. It's been a rece- in a recession for more than a decade. Yeah, It's more than $70 billion in debt. It owes that much money to its bondholders. Which is a lot for a small island, no? I mean, its, it's general budget is less than $10 billion. Huh. And that's not even counting the $50 billion that it owes to its pensioners, money that it just doesn't have. You know? so, really? So the government's finances have been falling apart for a long time. And one of the things that happened in 2016 was that Congress passed this law that allowed Puerto Rico to essentially declare, it's not exactly bankruptcy, but it's something similar. It was sort of a special law that allowed it to seek protection from its creditors and and try to restructure its debt. Mm -hmm. It's a process really similar to like what Detroit did after it declared bankruptcy. That entailed some oversight though, right? Right. And sort of in exchange for allowing the island to seek protection from its creditors, Congress also created this fiscal oversight board, seven member fiscal oversight board that got a lot of power over the island's finances. Yeah. And so this board for more than a year has been working on a a five-year fiscal plan for the island, basically to try to get it out of debt and to try to sort of jumpstart its economy and get it out of this recession. But that plan that they approved included big cuts to public education, 10% across the board cuts on average to pensions, cuts to worker vacation and sick time, elimination of Christmas bonuses. And all that once was going to happen? I mean, stuff that's going to be phased in over the next several years, but beginning now, you know. And and so this was proposed at the same time that Puerto Rico is still trying to recover from Hurricane Maria. Yeah. And so one of the big things that, you know, I mean, that a lot of people here are angry about is that, is that, you know, so many people are still recovering, don't have roofs over their houses, spent all of their money on gas for their generators over the last several months, and hmm. waited for power to come back. Yeah. So it's um just this jolt that Puerto Ricans are, are protesting. And so they took to the streets uh, May 1st, May Day. It's, you know, it's International Workers' Day, right? Yeah, International Workers' Day. So it's traditionally a, a day of, of protests. And so a lot of businesses shut down, like the largest mall in the Caribbean called Plaza de las Américas shut down. More than 90% of the island's public school students didn't go to class. And so all that's happening. And by the end of Tuesday, it gets violent. You're tweeting about tear gas. How crazy was the scene at these protests at its most heated moment? So the most heated moment happened toward the end. I mean, it was pretty much a peaceful day of protests. Um, It started some places at 6 in the morning. And by 2, 2.30 in the afternoon, in most places, the protests were wrapping up. But um, there was disagreement uh, between protesters and police over what route they were going to be allowed to take through this downtown area. Like police were saying that they had already chosen a route for the protest. It was agreed upon before Tuesday. And then some of the protesters veered off the beaten path or what? Yeah. What officials say is that, you know, they had already agreed on on a route and then a sizable group of, of protesters tried to go through down a different path and they were confronted by a long line of police officers and what was happening. And I was standing just off to the side. I was there. I saw it. Mm-hmm. They were facing off and the, the police started firing these gas canisters into the crowd. And then that's when... Were you affected yeah. by the tear gas? Yeah, it was the first time. It was not a fun experience, but I was able to get out of there 
yeah. pretty quickly, you know. I'm sure a lot of people listening don't know what tear gas feels like and what it does to you. Briefly describe, like, the physical symptoms. What I, I understand there was, like, tear gas. There was also pepper spray. And, yeah, at first it feels like just like a mist of, like, <laughs> of rain. And then within a couple of seconds you're like, oh, this is this is starting to sting, you know. And so it starts to make your face burn and your eyes burn and, uh-huh. and your throat's burn. And you just want to get out of there. You don't know whether you should breathe or hold your breath or what. Uh-huh. There were not only raucous, like, protesters who were trying to, to cause problems there were some of those but there were also just students there were older people there were children you know who were Hmm. who were affected by it too so these protests happened tuesday they turned violent does it in any way change what the financial oversight and management board wants to do re-austerity measures or is it still probably going to happen no it's it's i mean you know they're moving forward and, you know, it's worth mentioning that it is not just this fiscal oversight board. I mean, the, okay. the governor of Puerto Rico is very much in agreement with a lot of the policies that um, that the fiscal oversight board is hmm. requiring through its fiscal plan. That said, they don't really like, they don't, you know, they don't publicly like each other. But then there are sort of some key differences, right? So the protests were aimed both at the fiscal oversight board and, and, the governor. and at the Puerto Rican government. Yeah. When would they take effect? They start to roll. I mean, so some of them as soon as the summer, right? Wow. Um, uh, you know, the island is going to shut down a quarter of its public schools at the end of this school year. Hmm. Um, the doubling of tuition at the university system takes effect next school year um, and then continues to increase over the next few years. And so this would all be happening against the backdrop of a new hurricane season starting soon, while the recovery from Maria is not done yet, and while... Lots of Puerto Ricans are still leaving the island in droves, possibly never to come back. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, and, and it's one of the big criticisms that opponents of the fiscal board and the government and the governor's proposed policies point out, which is that we've already we're already facing this huge exodus of people from the island. And, you know, if you're cutting pensions, if you're making it more expensive for students to go to school, if you're shutting down public schools that are neighborhood schools and, and making it harder for parents to who live in rural communities and don't have transportation to to get their kids to school every day. I mean, you're only yeah. um, promoting a, a, an even bigger exodus, right? Yeah. And, and the government itself acknowledges that. I mean, you know, its fiscal plan anticipates that over the next five years, it's going to lose 20% more of its population. Wow. So wow. that's 600,000 people, you know? Okay. When you're not covering this multi-layered story, what do you do for fun out there in old San Juan? Uh, like this weekend, what are you going to do? Uh, this weekend, what am I going to do? <laughs> you don't have plans yet. <laughs> it's been a few weekends. I might just sleep in. I don't know. You should probably do that. Yeah. Just sleep in. I'll go to the beach. I'll, That's I'll right. Go to the beach. Go to the beach. Adrian, thank you so much uh, for covering this story for NPR and for helping us folks up here know what's going on down there. Thank you, Sam. Poor Adrian. <laughs> he worked but, so hard. Well, you know, when you're on site doing mm. those things, there it doesn't. It kind of doesn't matter what day it is. It's like your you Tuesday go. might be a Sunday. All the days right. mix meld together. And so when yeah. you said to him, "What are you doing this weekend?" He's like, "When's the weekend?" Yeah. And so Adrian's covering all of that. But like, my question, I think, is like, if this story with all these moving parts was happening in the mainland. You know, a a state in massive debt with potential austerity measures, um, a recovery from a hurricane that's still ongoing as a new hurricane season approaches, and thousands upon thousands of folks leaving this place in droves never to return. It would be front page news all the time, right? 
No. No? Sorry. I lived through Katrina coverage, Mm. and for the first couple of months, Mm. um, there was a lot of it. And Mm -hmm. then it started to dwindle because Mm. people's attention went elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to sustain public outrage over something you don't feel connected to. Mm. I think in the case of Katrina, people looked at New Orleans as more of the Northern Caribbean. It was kind of like Mm. our mainland Puerto Rico. Mm. Puerto Rico, separated by water, speaks another language, full of people who a lot of Americans feel like, you know, aren't really Americans. A lot of Americans didn't know that they were citizens until the hurricane. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things this uh, governance structure in Puerto Rico with this oversight board brings to mind for me is Flint, Michigan, hmm. which you know went through a lot of financial difficulties and had an unelected emergency manager yeah. who was then in charge of the city's finances. And it was that team's decision to change the water supply hmm. that led to the massive lead crisis in that uh. city, in the drinking water. And I think it provides sort of a cautionary tale about how um, unelected leaders who aren't necessarily from a community might not serve the best interests of that community. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, want to talk to you about the news going on where you are. If you have a reaction to the news or a thing you heard about on the show, let us know. Let's talk about it. Drop me a line anytime at samsanders at npr.org. All right, time for a quick break. When we come back, we'll play my favorite game, Who Said That? And we'll also hear from you, our listeners, sharing with us the best things that happened to you all week. BRB. We'd like to thank our sponsor who brings you this message, Discover Card, who alerts you if they find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. Discover believes there are some things that you just need to know. It's just another way Discover looks out for you, not just your account. And best of all, social security alerts are free for Discover card members. All you have to do is sign up online. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. I'm Scott Tetro. There is so much political news to follow these days, but you don't have to keep up with all of it. You just have to keep up with us on the NPR Politics Podcast. You can find us on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with Karen Grigsby-Bates, wearer of the dagger scarf, correspondent for NPR's Code Switch team, and Tom Dreisbach, reporter and producer for NPR's Embedded Podcast, who keeps no secrets from his wife. Mm -hmm. And has no dagger scarves, unfortunately. (laughs) We're going to get you one. Yeah, we're going to get you one. You might need it if you don't start keeping secrets. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, now it's time for my favorite game. Who said that? Yay! I am nervous. Karen's ready. This is so much fun. I won't know any of them. I just love this little intro. Yes. It does. It's amazing. So the game is very simple. I share a quote from the week. You guys have to guess who said that. Or at least get close. This ain't Jeopardy. If you just name a a vital keyword, I'll take it. Yeah. Wheel Uh, of Fortune, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Also, as you know, the winner gets absolutely nothing. The best prize. Yeah. Yeah. You guys ready? I guess. I love the quotes this week. They're really good. Okay. First quote is, Swedish meatballs are actually based on a recipe from Turkey. Who said that? Ikea? (laughs) Close, close, (laughs) close. 
have oh my no God. idea. Uh, who would talk about Swedish, Swedish meatballs? Meatballs recipe from Gordon Ramsay. No, what what country might talk about Swedish meatballs? Sweden. Yes. So Sweden's <laughs> this week, y'all. Sweden's official Twitter account tweeted out a propos of nothing. It seemed uh, that Swedish meatballs are actually Turkish. Who knew? And wow. Sweden caught up to cares. it. I care. I'll never be able to go to IKEA again. Well, you know, the Turks are probably saying, "Yeah, and." <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out that Swedish meatballs are actually based on a recipe that King Charles the Twelfth brought home from Turkey in the early 18th century. And no one knows why Sweden decided now was the time to admit this. But um, <laughs> as someone who goes to IKEA some days just for lunch. This hurts no, my heart. No, you do yes, not I do, do that. That hurts my lunch. heart. I love Ikea food. I do. Well, I like the furniture, but I don't know that I'd go the 12 miles it would take me to get there to have yeah, a plate of Swedish meatballs. Burbank for meatballs, Sam. Listen, I, this is <laughs> but my life and I love it. But the sauce yeah, rocks. See, see. So, okay. All right. yes. No offense to Burbank, Sam. <laughs> Karen's up one zip. Tommy, bring it. You can do it. Okay. I believe in you. Next quote. Ready? The only way that I can see to deploy this much financial resource is by converting my winnings into space travel. Who said that? Elon Musk? Close. Another mogul. Amazon. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. (laughs) Just squeaked it out. Tommy D. Uh, So Jeff Bezos has a company called Blue Origin. It is a space company. He revealed recently that he liquidates a billion dollars of Amazon stock every year to fund his space company with this goal of sending humans to space as early as this year. (gasps) And he said in this interview with Business Insider that he's pursuing the work because, quote, I believe if we don't, we will eventually end up with the civilization of stasis, which I find very demoralizing. He just needs to figure out a way to keep getting prime groceries to your doorstep (laughs) when they say they're going to. (laughs) Space is so ambitious. Groceries are a lot easier. (laughs) Is this why my prime membership just went up? Yes. Yes, so you can go to Mars if you want to, Uh Tom. So Bezos says that he thinks heavy industry will eventually be moved to other planets, while the Earth will be reserved for living and light industry. Hmm. Yeah. So basically, he's going to turn Mars into Newark. (laughs) That is not Mars makes the world take. No, wait, that's Trenton. That's Trenton. Trenton. No shade on Jersey. No shade on Jersey. And Newark is a great city with some terrific restaurants. <laughs> all right, last quote for all the marbles. Uh, this determines the winner. You ready? Okay. The pressure. Quote, yeah. The pressure. Quote, FBI cases have weird code names. It was Sandcastles, and so I said Beyonce, and I was the only one in the room who had any idea. Comey. <laughs> I know. I- his children must be so embarrassed. It's oh, like, don't oh say my that. God. Don't say that. So y- y'all know that uh, James Comey, former FBI director, has been on the press tour that will not quit. Oh, my God. This week in talking to PBS and talking to a PBS reporter, Liz Flock, who is a friend of our show, uh, he admitted that he loves Beyonce and also is into the music of Taylor Swift and Kendrick Lamar. But he had this one story that he told Liz Flock at PBS. He said that they once got an FBI briefing uh, that had a case called Sandcastles. <laughs> All these cases have weird code names. When he heard the code name, I guess, in a meeting or in the room, he began to sing the Beyonce song, Sandcastles. Oh, stop. I can't. And no one else knew what he was singing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, quote, uh, I said, we built Sandcastles. Honest to God, I sung like that. No way. I can't imagine him singing the same way I can't imagine him dancing. You yeah. know, I just, I yeah. don't want to think Ooh. about it. The thing with Comey, 
Now I think we've reached the point where I don't need to know anything else about that man ever. But now we know he's in the Bayhive. So Although he likes the new. worst song on Lemonade. Sandcastles is the worst song on Lemonade. It's a sad dad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Love to see the case file for Surfboard. <laughs> Uh, who won? I've actually forgot who won. Karen. It okay. doesn't matter who it wins. It doesn't matter. We're all winners because we're all That's special. That's too kind, Karen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. That concludes Who Said That. Karen, you won. Congratulations. All right. Now it's time to end the show as we always do. Every week we ask our listeners to share with us the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. Anjali, hit the tape. Hi, Sam. This is Shra from Houston, Texas. Hey. Right now I'm calling you from a bar in <laughs> San Carlos de Bariloche Ooh. in the Patagonia Mountains. Wow. And it's absolutely stunning. I wanted to say that you've kept me company for the past 14 hours of driving <laughs> this beautiful little piece of our planet. Keep wow. doing what you do. Love the show. Thanks, Shra. Hey, Sam. This is Danielle LaBerge calling from Bennington, Vermont. And the Hello. best thing that happened to me all week was seeing spring wildflowers blooming this weekend. I bet. I got to spend six days hiking and backpacking through Grand Canyon with my dad and my sister. Oh, that sounds great. I found out that our little school won't lose all of its crossing guards next year. Oh, hey. good. The best thing that happened to me this week is that on a flight home, I ordered two drinks for my boyfriend and me. But when the flight ended, I realized that no one had charged us for our drinks. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Sam. This is Amir. Claudia. And Catherine. From Portland, Oregon. Hello. We just finished our last class of medical school today and are officially doctors. Congrats. Uh, I'm going into psychiatry. I'll be doing obstetrics and gynecology. I'm going to be a neurosurgeon. Wow. We're, We're so, so excited, excited to be, be serving y'all soon. soon. Wish you can send an emoji. Good luck. Thank you, oh, guys. That's great. Oh, my goodness. Hi, Sam. This is Crystal, and I'm calling from downtown Los Angeles hey. at 7th and Fig. And the best part of my week was... I made my final student loan payment. That is a milestone. I wanted to take a screenshot of my zero balance, but I was not allowed to log into my account. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, it doesn't exist anymore. That's a great feeling. Congratulations. Yeah. Hi, Sam. This is Harry from Richmond, Virginia. Hey, Harry. The best thing that happened to me this week was we found out that my son's Hodgkin's disease is gone after his third round of chemo. Oh, man, that's good news. And he's now eligible to have his transplant and get rid of this thing once and for all. Oh, wow. Keep up the good work. Love your shows, and especially this part of every week. Thanks, Sam. Have a good weekend. Take care. Bye. Oh, those were some amazing best things. Those were good. Maybe the best that I've ever heard. Those were good. Mm. Special thanks to all the voices you heard there. Shrav, Danielle, Kate, Danielle number two, Andrea, Amir, Claudia, and Catherine. Um, congrats as you embark on your medical doctor careers. That's awesome. Uh, to Crystal and to Harry, thank you. Harry, thanks for sharing that story, and we hope your son is feeling fine. Yes. Uh, we listen to all of these that come in every week. We can't play them all, but we hear them all, and we love them. Thank you for sharing. Send me the sound of your voice at any time and any week, sharing the best part of your week. Write me at samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. All right. Uh, two of the best things of my week were my guests, Karen Grisby Bates of Aww. NPR's Code Switch team, and Tom Dreisbach, reporter and producer for NPR's Embedded podcast. I'm officially going to let you guys let the sunshine in and leave this studio. Uh, um, thank you both for being here. It was a blast. 
My pleasure, Sam. Yeah, Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Always fun. I got to go watch Hair this weekend. You I gotta, guess so. Yeah, but well, not the remake. Not the, not, <laughs> not the movie version of yeah, Hair. You got to yeah. put on the, uh, the original cast recording. Uh-huh. This week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman and Anjali Sastry. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson, and the show was edited by Allison McAdam and Jeff Rogers. Special thanks to our NPR West engineers, Marcia Caldwell and Leo Del Aguila. Our big boss is NPR's VP of Programming, Anya Grundman. Listeners, refresh your feeds Tuesday morning for a really fun chat with Jimmy O. Yang. He oh. plays Jin Yang on HBO <laughs> yes. Silicon Valley. I love him. Uh, he has a new book out that's hilarious. Oh. He tells me all about how he was a struggling stand-up comic, then a DJ at a strip club. Uh, he tells me about how El Pollo Loco was one of his first introductions to America. Of course it was. It was a fun chat. He's also in this new movie coming out called Crazy Rich Asians, yes. oh. which some have said is the Black Panther for the Asian American community. You watch. This is going to be huge. Okay. I'm ready for it. It's cool. a fun chat. Check that out on Tuesday. Uh, listeners, thanks for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon. 